with me this morning. Uh, I know we always pray, but specifically, and I know there's not many here, but there's others that are getting this through <coughs> media. And uh, just prayer for the effect of the message. We've got to do that. The effect of the message. Uh, we're living in a world that's absolutely gone crazy. And uh, the Word, God, <laughs> His Word, Jesus, our salvation, our true salvation, our belief and our trust in Him, folks, it's all that's going to keep us intact through what's coming. That's absolute. And uh, messages are being preached all over around the globe this morning, at least in Christian churches. Now, I know it's different time zones, and sometimes it's night on other parts of the world, but I'm speaking uh, atmospherically, I guess, that the uh, ministers that are preaching this morning, delivering messages, and if those messages don't have effect, or they're not taken, they're effectual because they're taken in faith. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, then that has effect. And the first place we should allow any Word of God to affect is us. Amen. Us. We don't toss it over our shoulder. We don't throw it over across the aisle to our neighbor and say, that's for you. We, we allow the word to affect us. But we have to do that with faith. We, it's, it's, it's like we almost have to give permission to the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to do this morning in this prayer. Just pray for the effect of this message. Heavenly Father, we come this morning. You've given us your word. We have it before us. We hear it. We read it. It's expounded upon, it's preached, it's evangelized, Lord, in all sorts of ways. And I pray for the effect of the message, not only this message this morning, the effect of messages that is being preached everywhere today, Lord, that those words will, will not fall upon deaf ears, that they will not fall upon calloused hearts, Lord, but that they will be received and accepted many times even painfully so but that they will have effect upon the human heart the human soul yes the human body and even Lord the human mind we loose the Holy Spirit this morning we invite him to fill this service with his presence to minister to people to touch hearts and to encourage during these times Lord that we're facing and further enduring day to day in the future Lord I ask you God help us to walk in this word to live this word God to allow this word to lead us strengthen us keep us and guide us and we forever give you praise for it for Jesus our Lord and Savior. Glory be to your name. Amen. amen. And amen. Amen. Thank you, Amen. What causes people to do what they do? There's a lot of answers to that. Well, preacher, what aspect are you talking about? What causes people to do what they do? What I'm referring to this morning when I ask you that question 
is what causes people to be sinful? What causes them to be immoral? Not moral, but immoral. What causes people to be vile? What causes them to be perverted? What causes them to be wicked and evil? What causes them to be rebellious? And I could add a whole lot of other things to that question this morning, but it's a huge effect upon our society today that things just like that I've named and other things as well are causing. So what is it that causes people to do what they do, at least in the way that I've spoken and given examples of this morning? What is it that does that? Do they just do it? There's always an effect, you know, the I think it's uh, uh, the theory of, uh, I can't remember the scientific theory, but every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Effects have consequences and results as well. But what is it that's causing people to do now? I'm specifically speaking of an unprecedented an amount and acceleration and multiplication of things that we've known has always been around, but now they're in a magnitude that seems almost impossible in a way. How is all this happening? This this sudden turn of events where it's almost like there's been explode, an explosion of some kind of all this immorality and perversion and evil and wickedness and everything that's abounding around us. Why is that? I'll take you to some scriptures this morning. You've heard me many times, uh, especially recently, uh, speak about the things that we're seeing, the uh, even the profane and, and abominable things that are openly and advertisingly, uh, continually, more so every day. And I know I'm not standing here speaking to people that's totally unaware of what I'm talking about. It's, it's very obvious. Now this is attached again, as we've been talking preparation, this is attached to the finality of finalities, the end times times when things are about to culminate into the event. The Bible tells us several places, many times over actually of soon coming things and it, it's, they're, they're virtually listed in the word. Listed as to what's going to be taking place in the end times. But what is it that causes people to do those things that are going to be taking place in the end times? What is it? Why are they the way they are? Sin affects folks, right? Yeah. Sin affects the people committing the sin. Sin also affects the people around those committing the sin. Sometimes it even affects those far distances away. It has effect. Wickedness, evil, the same thing. And, and we could classify them. We could bring example after example after example. And sometimes, as was mentioned this morning, that becomes laborious in itself and we get overwhelmed and it, it wears us out. 
just just to try to take in an hour of news of everything that's taking place it's wearisome isn't it and we see people caught up some of them committing things they don't even know why they're committing them doing things they don't even know why they're doing them. so why do they do it it's age old because there's an influence there's an influence adding to the list a few more the levels of corruption the degree of deceit literally again in the atmosphere untruth is the stage anymore the truth if it can be found is few and far between at least in the realm of powers that be why is all this happening why do people do what they do open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians <coughs> I want to talk about the mind of man the mind of man ask you another question as you're turning there have you seen have you ever seen the amount of hatred and spite and bitterness that exists in our society today have you ever seen the amount of, of consequences and and effects that that in itself causes when people hate others what happens they commit violence when people commit violence what happens People are hurt. Things are destroyed. It's life-changing. I know I've mentioned this, but there was a day, even in large cities, you could pretty well walk down the sidewalks for blocks and know that you were going to be okay. That's not the case anymore. Because something has happened. Because people are doing things to an accelerated degree like they've never done before. Things have been loosed to a degree that, again, is unprecedented. And it involves people. God loves people, amen? Amen. amen. Paul, in his writing in Ephesians, and again, referring to the mind of man before I give you the verse let me let me tell you what biblically mind most often mind when you see that in God's word what it means the seat of consciousness think about that your mind, my mind, people's mind is the seat of their conscience. The seat of it. Where the conscience sits. Also, it is that which enables us to perceive and understand. In turn, causing us to feel or sense and to be able to judge or determine between right and 
and wrong or good and bad. So what's happened? Why are people doing what they're doing? Because something has happened to that thing. When we talk about the mind of man and, and the heart of man, the makeup of man, we're a creature of heart, soul, mind, and body. And I believe, and I believe I can scripturally tie the fact that the heart is tied to the mind. Because the mind makes decisions if it has the ability to but something has happened where no longer in many people's minds do they have even the ability left to tell them between right and wrong, bad and good. What's the necessity of having to hear anything of this nature this morning? We could, we could be dancing and celebrating. Because something is happening, something huge is happening and has been happening for a while now. Because the conscience, the mind of man has been affected in such a degree that there's no limits and there's no parameters any longer. Anything goes. Violence is off the charts. I'm talking violence against people. People are no, not safe any longer. Amen. They, they can't trust in a few steps down the sidewalk if they're even going to come home or not. Uh-huh. These are just simple facts. I could add a lot more. I don't have time to add a lot more because there is a lot more involved in why people do what they do. So, speaking of the mind of man and the conscience, what happens when the conscience is affected or maybe completely removed? What does that lead? It pretty much leaves an animal that's unpredictable. Now, that might sound a little brash and a little unacceptable but that's the case why people do what they do look here at Ephesians chapter 4 Paul in his writing he has eloquently And purposely as he puts it here and beginning in the 17th verse he says this I say therefore and testify in the Lord it's coming from God that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind Walk not as the other Gentiles. What's a Gentile? For the purpose inferred in the scripture, it's somebody that has not God. 
They don't have a relationship. What's he say? Walk not as they do. That's not what all he says. The clause there, the latter clause that he uses is in the vanity of their mind. Vanity could be said and is described and defined as futility. Futility of their mind. Well, what's futility? This is what it is biblically. Vanity meaning the same word, not changing the scripture, but simply a, a word switch meaning the same thing. Futility of the mind is when something that is supposed to be there is not there, which creates an effect because of it not being there, and people do what they do because that mind is empty of what is supposed to be there. And I know that sounds like a lot of mumbo-jumbo. But let me tell you what is supposed to be there. The mind of Christ. So when the mind of Christ is not, not present or no longer present, what does that leave remaining? Utility. And what does that create? This, this is saying much more than readily meets the eye. And I even say Christians take warning. The vanity of the mind that Paul is speaking of is something that is void of the content that prevents it from becoming morally depraved. You ever heard that term? Depraved of all morals. And the vanity of the mind or the futility of the mind, if the mind of Christ is not there, there is nothing to prevent one from becoming morally depraved. And the degree can escalate or grow with the passing of time as this persists, okay? So what about the society we're living in? Are we seeing futility of the mind? People do what they do because they don't have what is necessary to prevent them from doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Therefore, they're just doing what they're doing in exaggerated ways and perversions we've never heard of, violence is just out of control. That's why people do what they do because they do not have the mind of Christ. They have utility. And I've had a lot of discussions lately just, just in passing with people drinking coffee and everybody's asking this question. What, why are they doing what they do? Well, here it is. And you, you can see, or you should be able re to readily see the difference between a person that has the mind of Christ, which we literally, scripturally can have and do have, that's supposed to take place at the moment of salvation. We begin to receive the mind of Christ. But when you don't have that, there's nothing, there's not any barrier whatsoever to keep one from falling into moral decay 
becoming sinful and even eventually evil and wicked and doing things that are unbelievable because there, there's no control mechanism anymore. And Paul's warning here. As he says that, look, look, look what he says going on with verse 18. He says, having the understanding darkened. Having the understanding darkened. Being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their heart which is again directly connected to the futility of the mind. Now this might sound like a, a science lesson or some kind of a, a psychiatric or psychological evaluation. No, it's scriptural. This is the reason right here. But why do we need to know this? who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Hmm. Pretty much means just to go do what they want to do. Whatever their mind that has no ability to prevent drives them to do. Now we've also got to understand who's behind this. If they don't have the mind of Christ, whose mind do they have? Whose influence is it they're under? We know, don't we? So there's no limits, right? You see how the mind of Christ prevents, protects, and, and enables one to do the right thing and the proper thing and the good thing and when that's not present th there's nothing there at all to prevent one from going out of control doing things unheard of and apparently the degree of this is increasing daily on a daily basis well, again, what's the necessity that Christians need to know this because of the effect it's having? There's scriptural evidence, and a moment ago I said, beware Christians, there's scriptural evidence of this very thing happening to those who once were. Because something slipped somewhere, and they no longer had the mind of Christ, and they converted to the mind of someone else and they're just as bad or worse than some of these who never had it. It's a little scary, but it's happened. Read. Let me give you some more scriptures that goes along with this. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it says this. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly 
that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith. What did I just say a while ago? Let me read it again. That in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. What in the world is a doctrine of a devil? It's what the devil does. Who is it that this is happening to? What's he say here? Latter days, right? Some will. Continuing, he says, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Where's the conscience again? In the mind. What is the conscience? It's the seed of judgment and determination and knowledge of good and bad. What's a seared conscience? look at this. this this word is actually comparable to cauterize anybody here cauterize mm -hmm. especially in these days cauterization was a method of, of treatment to a wound especially on the battlefield they'd either take a piece of iron or even a sword or something and stick it in a fire and get it hot apply it to the wound and it would seal it to prevent infection from entering well, if you think about the conscience being seared with a hot iron, it's not keeping infection from entering, it's keeping the influence of God from entering. If, if you can imagine branding an, a cow or an animal, the, some of you here know this, what's left there, it's just a tough hide. It's calloused. Well, think about a conscience that's seared with a hot iron. It, it's already sealed with this utility because the influence of God can no longer penetrate it. Amen. So what's that, what's that person or that people, what state does that leave them in? Now biblically, if you look at this, it's, it's, it's a pretty serious state because there's not a lot of hope of return at this point. But it's interesting in the scriptures that all connect together that are referring again to the futility of the mind and the conscience seared over with a hot iron and the effects of that. In the book of Romans, matter of fact, I'm going to turn over and read that. In the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse, we're going to read 24 through 32. <coughs> again, if mind of Christ, if one does not have the mind of Christ, what does that leave them subject to? Listen to what Paul says to the Romans. Verse 24, chapter 1. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped the, the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Now listen to what he continues to say. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that which recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, 
God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. Boy, that lands a lot of things, doesn't it? who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death not only do the same but have pleasure in them that do them. What's that saying? Have pleasure in them that not only do they do it but they have pleasure in others doing, or enticing others to do. See, when, the, when there's no conscience or there's no ability or there's nothing in the, in the human mind soul mind we would say the mind of Christ things change right but without the mind of Christ anything's possible any of these that Paul names here explicitly naming them a long long list any of these things are very possible for the person to perpetrate or commit to an exaggerated and growing degree but this is what, what you're going to see particular point I want to make is what in the world is turning them over to a reprobate mind mean? Reprobate. What is it? We talked about futility of the mind. Talking about conscience being seared with a hot iron. What in the world is a reprobate mind? It's a mind that no longer wants, has, whatsoever any knowledge of God so God's saying basically okay this is what you want this is what you got and this is mighty unpopular preaching this day and time by the way but I want you to notice something don't, don't pick out one of these don't just grab a hold of one, namely, you know, look at all of them. Look, look at what a depraved mind generates. Look at what someone without the mind of Christ is capable of doing. Look at them. I mean, there's a long, long list. And this, this isn't, this isn't uh, in totality at all. This is just giving some examples. By the way, I picked up on a very strange spirit at the beginning of this service, and I've been working on that thing ever since we started. I don't know if anybody else here has sensed that or not. I'm not I'm talking about not a good one. I've been praying under my breath the whole time up here. So who is it that is the root cause of all this? We know what it is. We know who it is that affects people. We know who it is that does not want them to have the mind of Christ. We know who it is that that causes people to do things that are dastardly and impossible to, to, to even imagine. So who do we think is going to try to invade the church house and dampen the spirit? It's happening everywhere. It's happening more, by the way. 
2 Thessalonians 2.21 Sorry, 2.11. Now, this is along the same line, and this, this is another, all these that I've spoken thus far are writings of Paul. And we find him in several, by now, three of these letters to different churches saying some of the same things to different people. His stressings are a little bit different worded, but he pretty much meaning much the same thing. And this is what he says here in this book to the Thessalonian church in, in the second letter to them, again, verse 11. And I want to back up and read before that. Matter of fact, let's just start with verse number one. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. Why do people fall away? What's this talking about? What is falling away? It's talking about a falling away from the Lord. It's talking about great lack of interest, great lack of concern, no, no need anymore for God and the things of God. I think we've talked about this here recently. Except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped. So that he is God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now this is coming. This is a coming thing. It's not yet. Remember you not that when I was with, with you, I told you these things, and now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. Listen to this. For the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Who do you think that might be? There's different schools of theological thought on that. Some believe the Holy Spirit. Some believe the church himself. Although it says he, some believe this is the rapture of the church. Let's continue. Verse 8, And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Praise God. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be Saved, and for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. What's a delusional mind? What's that mean? A delusional mind is one that believes that they are wholeheartedly doing exactly, totally, absolute right when they're going totally opposite, absolutely wrong what it is I think we can identify seen anybody like that lately that they all might 
Listen to this last verse, verse 12 is where I'm going to stop. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So we might ask ourselves, what's the remedy? We've got to go back to the book of Ephesians where we started. Very plain in verse 17, I've read it already. Paul said, henceforth walk not as the other Gentiles walk. What's walk? Live. Practice. The encroachment of evil is advancing. And the understanding of why it's advancing is it's given to us here. So therefore, if we don't walk as the other Gentiles walk, again, what is it that prevents us from falling into the same lifestyle and the same actions and the same things? The mind of Christ. We don't walk as the, those that do not have the mind of Christ. We walk as those who do have the mind of Christ. Amen. And we attempt daily to perfect that. And we do that by this word right here that you're looking into yourself that I've been preaching out of. You do that by praying. You do that by drawing nigh to God. As he said, draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to you. The emphasis of these scriptures given are, are far deeper than what we readily realize. Especially the mentioning of latter times and the degree and the velocity at which these things are supposed to happen and are happening right. that anybody should be able to see. I said, anybody should be able to see, but you know what? The very people doing those things don't see because they have no ability to consider that they're even wrong. I mean, that sounds crazy because right. we're sitting here with the ability to know what's right and wrong, right? Everybody's given a conscience at birth. But something happens to that conscience just like we've been seeing here. When the mind becomes a mind of futility and reprobate and delusional and a lot of other things, it's not only dangerous but it has an effect that I can't begin to describe this morning. Simply because there's no control of actions. It, it's a driving force because there's no prevention. Again, being the mind of Christ that, that keeps these things from happening. And it's, it's so numerous here. And if you really research this and you take an opportunity to break these things down individually, Again, you can overlay it with the status of, of our society today that we're living in a global society. So this is what we're dealing with. This is what we're seeing. This is why people do what they do. It, it's not a complicated scientific experiment here. It's laid out in the Word of God, and it tells us exactly this is why. And why it is adamant that we 
either if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus and you don't know God, you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, you've never trusted in Him, His blood to wash and cleanse you, I'm going to tell you what you are right now if that's your case. You're subject to the futility of your mind. You're subject to everything that I've read out of God's Word this morning. I don't want to refer to it as just a benefit, but receiving Christ brings into one's life a whole lot more than you might really understand this morning. Amen. It is a protection yes. against what you could become. Yes. That's awesome. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. In closing this morning, I know this has been a lot of data that I've given probably more than I normally do. Uh, but this all ties together. Every bit of this ties together. And the thing that is most striking to me is how essential it is to, to first of all, be thankful that we've been given, and I referred to it several times, that we've been given the mind of Christ. That's scriptural. The mind of Christ. I mean, that, that's huge in itself to keep us from. And at the same time to understand that this situation that is so out of control, there's only one thing that has the possibility of ever beginning to be able to remedy that. And that's Christ himself. Amen. You can stack them up, all these people with fancy titles that's trying to understand and figure out all this evil and why people are doing what they're doing, I'm going to tell you, it's right here. It's continued trust in God. It's faith that he's going to take us through. And it's making the decisions that we've been given, the authority of his word, the decisions through the mind of Christ that he's given us that will enable us to continue forth until the day of absolute redemption. Amen. Would you stand this morning? I said earlier, and I'm talking effect, this this atmosphere is absolutely wearing. And that's kind of for a reason because when it's wearying us, then we need to be, what is it that's wearying us? And then identify with it. And should give us more, much more of a, a drive or even a desire to not be affected by the very things that we're seeing so prevalent in our world today. Right. I'm talking just closer to God. Becoming closer to God. Yeah. Closer to God you become, the more effect. This very thing, the more protection, the more, I think I've said it enough, I don't have to repeat it. But that's what's given to us. And we should be constantly striving with things worsening 
most apparently worsening. What the Bible say? Men shall wax worse and worse. And they are. Because why? What we just talked about. The mind of Christ is not present. So that obviously is the operation of the mind of the other one. But we have the power of Jesus, don't we? Amen. We got the blood of the Lamb. We trust Amen. in the blood. We trust in the cross, right? We should literally beg for more of the mind of Christ, right? Amen. Understanding and seeing and knowing what we're dealing with. You got family members that's caught up in this stuff? Stay on your knees for them. It's not over till it's over. There's always hope. I think I could almost pull the fire alarm and, and declare this is an emergency. We're in emergency mode. Because of the smoke. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Uh -huh. Come on. We're seeing the smoke. Okay. Thank you.